Hey there, and welcome to the now Better Leaders podcast. And I'm saying now because before it was the Coach Mean to Lead show, and now it is all of a sudden Better Leaders. Still getting used to the change, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying out loud because I think it's important because it's just it's very fresh this change, and it's mm -hmm. important to make sure that people understand why we changed. Oh, actually, right here. I can see. I was gonna that. say your crawl, your crawl still says coach me. <laughs> ah, that's that's incorrect. So let's change that now. <laughs> I didn't see that. I changed your name, but I didn't see this one. Anyway, I got it now. So corrected. It is connected to also the way that we structured now the coach me organization. So it's called Better Humans. So Better mm -hmm. Humans is the organization now. We have still the app coach.me. And the podcast show is called then Better Leaders. We also have a, a LinkedIn group um, for better leaders to connect there. And we're going to talk with Scott Mader today. Welcome, Scott. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. And um, why we're going to talk to you? Because I think, well, first of all, you know a lot about leadership. And I think what we do is, first of all, talk to coaches who work with leaders. And second of all, try, try, try to talk to people who are, you know, leaders in their business, in their companies, so that we can learn from leaders to become better leaders. And um, stewardship, that's your topic. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling with stewardship, what, what does it mean to you? Well, that, and actually that's a question I ask a lot of people too, is what does the word stewardship mean to you? Because kind of like leader or leadership, it means different things to different people. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me, stewardship is that recognition that whatever we've got in terms of resources, whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's our abilities, our, our talents, all of those things are resources that we need to, to harness and to use, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of the wider other. Uh, you know, it, it is a term that is often used in uh, Christian circles, and and I am a Christian, and I, that's kind of my worldview. But I work with a lot of people that aren't necessarily Christian, but that worldview of I need to do something bigger than myself is still really important to them. So I don't think it's strictly a Christian word, even though that kind of, you know, it has that that flavor to it. My, my joke is I'm trying to reclaim stewardship from we're starting a building campaign. Please, please give us money because uh, that kind of is how the word is used a lot nowadays. You know, it, it, it means it means give us money when in reality, it's a lot bigger than that. It's about how we live our life. And, and since you asked the question, normally to people, I will just also reply to that question as as if you just asked it to me by saying the way I see Stewardship, and I've, I believe um, also it has to do a lot with Christianity because it's, you know, mm -hmm. uh, taught in the past, but it's also before that, right? right? Indigenous people feel like they're the stewards of the earth. So we don't own the earth. We don't are not on top of the uh, ecological system or on top of animals or at the top of the food chain or whatever. We are the stewards of the earth. So we have, yeah. um, you know, we have a place here. Um, but we have to take care of the place as if we're going to take it to the next generation and make it even a better place for them to live. And exactly. right now, if you're looking at the world, looking at how we're treating it, it's not exactly going that direction right now. 
there's a lot of places where that doesn't happen. Um, and you know, leaders, since we're talking to leaders, are uniquely positioned often, whether they're a leader in business, whether they're a leader in, in a nonprofit, or even just a leader in your family, you're uniquely positioned to be the person that kind of creates that vision and puts that value out that sometimes we're going to sacrifice the short term for the long term. You know, it, it's okay to not necessarily make the most money this year, as an example, as a business, if what we're doing is creating a sustainable way of going forward. And I think a lot of times what, what ends up happening is, and again, this happens at all scales, whether it's at a, a, a even just in a family, you know, kind of environment, we're so focused on the immediate and, and the now and you know, that immediate gratification, that immediate end result that we don't step back and put it in that larger context of, you know, why are we doing this? What's actually important to me? What, what values am I trying to put out in the world? You know, what, how do I want to live <laughs> in a way that when people look at me, they go, ah, that's what, that's what Scott stands for. You know, that, that sums up Scott, that that's what he stands for without me necessarily having to say it, you know, it's not about the mission statement. It's not about the words you have written on the back wall. You know, oftentimes we have those words and then we don't do anything with them anyway. I mean, you know, I've been, I was in corporate world for, for a while and, and, you know, you see that happen where the reality is it's about what, what culture do we actually create? How do we live that out in the day-to-day -day moments and the decisions that we make, you know, when that customer has a problem or when, you know, someone in the family is dealing with something, what, what's the real decisions we make in those moments like that? What do you, uh, I have two things now. I was going to say, well, how do you advise these people to, to think more about long-term? Let's let, but let's do, let's, let's first go this way. So what do you ask these, these leaders to think more about the long-term? How do you get them on that path? So uh, some of it is, and, and there's kind of different frames for this, whether you're talking to someone about their personal life, their personal finances, their personal productivity, you know, that kind of, uh, they're focused on self behavior. Or if I'm working with a business owner, and I tend to work with a lot of small business owners, or, you know, what I would even call a micropreneur, you know, solopreneur, or maybe a few people, you know, five employees, that kind of thing, but not a $20 million a year, you know, 200 employee kind of business. I've worked with those, but that's not my favorite. Um, you know, my old joke is, yeah, I did that when I worked in corporate and now I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of tired of that. It's like, I'd rather work with a guy that can, we can talk about it on a Monday, they make a decision on Tuesday and we're implementing it on Wednesday. That doesn't happen when you get to scale usually. So I work with them a lot on finding what I call their why or their purpose. Uh, you, you'll hear it called calling, you know, you, again, different frames or different words that are used by people. But what it boils down to is taking a step back from the immediate problem and beginning to look for those emotional drivers. So we're really good, I think, at setting goals. And don't get me wrong, goals aren't bad. Goals are important. I help people set goals. I help people achieve goals. That's part of coaching. But the goal by itself usually doesn't have enough to be sticky and sustainable in the long term. Goals tend to be about the what and the how, 
where the why is kind of that bigger picture of you know, what really is the value that's most important to you. What are the things that you don't want to to sacrifice or to you know, what are your non-negotiables? The thing that you know when it comes to this point, uh, -uh. <laughs> you know, because I I like to remind people that we often we have a lot more power of choice than I think we believe we do. I hear it shows up in our language. A lot of times people will say something like, well, I had to do that. And it's like, wait a minute, you had to do that? I mean, there were no other options at all. That was the only option on the planet. Because think about it, even there, there are things that if I put a gun to your head, as horrible as that sounds, and said, look, do this or I'm going to pull the trigger. I bet you there's some things that I could say, do this or I'm going to pull the trigger. And you'd look at me and go, you're just going to have to pull the trigger. I'm not going to do it. You know, that's a non-negotiable for me. That's so important to me and so core to who I am. I'm just not going to do it. And that proves that even in the most extreme situation, you've still got that power of choice. You've still got that ability to stop and go, wait, what other options do I have? You know, there, there's, we tend to make things A and B, you know, I can do this or I can do that. And it's like, no, there's always more than A and B. There, there's C and D and E and F and G. And a lot of times all the way through to Z, you know, that, that there's tons of choices, but we disempower ourselves by the language we use, by the way we think about it. And so helping people stop and asking those questions about, you know, in your personal life, in your relationships, in your career, in your in your spiritual life, in your finances, in all of these different components of your life, how do you want to be showing up? What should that look like? What's the driver behind that? You know, what are the things that are absolutely not worth sacrificing no matter what? And then let's actually put those down and write them down and put them on paper and and look at them and put them in front of us. And then it helps you start making decisions and running those decisions through those values because you say to yourself, wait a minute, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Is it in alignment with this? Is it moving me in the direction that I said? <laughs> you know, and you can all, you know, there, there's times that it evolves and it changes over time and you learn more and it develops more. Absolutely. Or something big changes in your life, like you get married or you have a kid. Guess what? That often makes you reset and refocus and go, hmm, little different decision making now. But whatever it is, there's still that core that you've got to always come back to and run those decisions through that to really make sure that you're moving in the direction that you want to go and that there's some sense of alignment. And in a way, it gets easier to make those decisions because you've you've done the hard work first of sitting down and kind of going, what do I stand for? You know, what, what's the important things? What's, what's the why that's driving me? What is the why that's driving Scott? <laughs> so honestly, and stewardship is why I use that name in my business with Inspired Stewardship. I am driven by helping others find their passion in a lot of times. And that shows up in a lot of different ways. That shows up in volunteer work I do. That shows up in you know my family environment. It shows up in the coaching. And honestly, if I go all the way back to the beginning, you know, my 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 mother will tell you that I've been a coach since I was like eight. Only we didn't call it coaching then. You know, it was it was something else. It was usually called something like you're a 
little irritating pain in the butt, but that's a whole nother conversation. But it's, you know, I, I, I was always the guy that other people came to for advice. I was always the guy that, that tried to, you know, find ways to help other people shine and succeed. And then when I became a school teacher, I did that. And, and I did, I believe a lot in, in questioning and talking to people and learning how they communicate and what drives them and then using that to help them achieve what's important to them. When I became, went into corporate world and became a senior leader, was running a team of like 180 people and doing all of that, still the same thing. You know, I, I, I wanted to know my employees. I wanted to know what drove them. I wanted to know what was important to them so that we could make those things happen. And, you know, what do you know? It turns out that we got a lot better performance and, you know, people stuck around and all of those benefits that, that usually you're looking for as a leader end up showing up, not because you were forcing it, but because you truly had a curious mindset and looked to people and said, you know, what, what, what drives you, what's important to you. And, you know, that was kind of the frame that I've always had, but I will be honest, I didn't know that was the frame I had until I got pretty far along in my life. You know, it's we connect the dots by looking backwards a lot easier than we connect them looking forwards, right? Uh, and so that's that theme has shown up, only I didn't realize that was the theme that was showing up. That is also a question I'm getting from younger people, um, how to get clarity on, on that part. And when you're younger, there's... There's some dots, but they're not so big as you just mentioned when you have more life experience. How at some point did you decide to go, now I'm looking back and I see this thread and this is what I'm going to do? Because mm -hmm. that's only like, was it 12 years ago that you started? Yeah, 2011 was when I started coaching kind of formally. Uh, I was doing it informally before that. But yeah, 2011. So what, 12 years? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it is I, I think we think of finding our, our purpose and finding our calling and, and these sorts of things. We think of them as a destination when we really shouldn't. We should think of them as a journey, you know, and a journey of discovery. And yeah, I know that's kind of a cliche and, and sounds trite, but, but it really is true. You don't usually just get handed it, you uncover it. You discover it through activity and through action and through experimentation. Now, the important part is that you then examine that experimentation and, and look at the, you know, figure out, wait, what did I learn from this? You know, what, what new information came? Because a lot of times we do live our life just kind of, you know, as an experiment, we try a lot of different things, but we never actually stop to think about what did I learn from this thing? You know, what, what did I love from it? What did I not like from it? You know, even the worst job, even the thing that you hated, there's still probably some things in there that you loved. And so I actually take people through an exercise that is kind of a combination of looking backwards and looking forward. And it works whether you're, you know, 12 or 22 or, you know, 82 is kind of looking at what you've done up to that point. Doesn't have to be a job, just anything and kind of pulling out of it, you know, what are things you loved about it? What are things you hated about it? What are, what are the things that gave you energy? What are the things that made you feel drained? And then kind of turning around and looking forward, and there's a few more steps in the middle here, but the, the basic idea is that, and then looking forward and doing what I call the airplane 
or the airport question, which is imagine for a minute that you're walking around in an airport and all of a sudden you find out that the plane, your next flight has been canceled and you're going to have like a five hour wait for the next flight. And so you're looking around for some place to sit down and grab a bite to eat and grab a drink. And you run into a friend that you haven't seen for five years. Turns out their flight is also delayed. Y'all both have about four or five hours to catch up. You haven't talked to him in four or five years. Y'all go sit together in a, in a quiet corner and your friend looks at you and says, man, you know, how, how have the last five years been treating you? And you say, this has been the best five years of my life because. Now your job is to tell me what comes after the word because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, right. And it's a way of helping you visualize and think about what, what would make me say that? What would make me tell somebody this has been the best five years of my life? What would have shown up in my life? What, what activities would I have done? What choices would I make? And, and I'll tell you, be careful doing this kind of exercise because it can be dangerous because sometimes you're like, oh, I just discovered that, you know, I, I need to change my life in a dramatic way because, you know, when I look at what I want and what I want to be showing up, Ain't none of that here today, you know, and, and I need to help create that. So it can it can be something that can be shocking. But by doing that kind of exercise and repeating it, don't just do it once and think, OK, I got it. I'm done. It, it, it's this is literally something I do every single year. I, I go back through and I think what's different now? What what have I learned in this last year that makes me maybe want to shift or change or add to or tweak or or refine? what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. I mean, I, I have a book coming out next year. Why? Well, because last year I went, you know, I've been talking about writing a book for a decade, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. And so this year I've, I've created a book. It's coming out in July, you know, that kind of thing, because that happens if you examine your life. But if you never examine it, then that journey is just random and it doesn't have any direction. It doesn't have any intentionality. And that's how a lot of people live, quite frankly. I love the airport question. I haven't heard that before. So yeah. it's a great thing. Thank you. It's it's one of the two questions that I like to ask people that that it, it, it reframes the way you think about the future in a way. You know, what what would I tell my best friend that made this life awesome or, or your, my spouse or you know, you it, it needs to be somebody that you would you would be honest with, right? The other one I love, and this is a good, powerful question to ask yourself too, is ima imagine for a minute that I invented this magic machine and you can actually do this. And with the power of that machine, I was able to pluck you from the chair where you are today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, maybe 250 years. But through the power of this machine, you were able to look back and see your entire life and see all of the ripples, all of the connections, all of the impacts you've left behind. What impact do you hope you've left in the world? Yeah, I think it's a similar question. I don't remember how it's called, but um, obituary, I think it is, right? right? Uh, it's my version of the obituary question, only it's a nicer version. <laughs> you don't have to think about dying. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I think, it, I think it is very healthy to think about dying because sure. I think in the Western world, we're pretty scared. Well, at least in here where I live in the Netherlands, we're pretty scared of talking about dying and thinking about dying. I just had a conversation about it this, this earlier this week with a philosopher. And, you know, it's, I think it's really healthy to think about your ending. And 
incorporate more of that in your world absolutely uh, every day because um well it could be it could be tomorrow right it could be today and it, well, and it could be in the next 30 seconds that's <laughs> uh, what, what i'm saying so if but, you want to make sure how 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 do you live your life in a right. way that it and you know it feels fulfilling if you would have you know if if something happens to you and you die the next hour or so right one of the reasons I like the the version that isn't the obituary question is is because of what happens at funerals and with obituaries. And and what I mean by that is, um, I've been to a lot of funerals where what everyone shares about the person isn't actually that person's life, if that makes sense. You know, we we clean it up, we sanitize it, we we talk about all the good stuff and and don't get me wrong i i think we should i don't think that's bad but for a lot of people the context of the funeral and the obituary isn't really thinking about what do i want to have show up in my life it's more what do i want people to say about me if that makes sense and so by changing the frame it helps you focus less on what do other people think and more on in my opinion and more on what do you actually want to stand for you know, regardless of how other people see it, what do you want to stand for? And I think that's powerful. And and again, I think there's value in both. I, I think we should be thinking about, well, how do other people see this? And how do I show up for other people? And what would they say about me? And, you know, would my wife say that she's heard me say, I love you enough, you know? And the answer is probably not because I don't think there's ever enough. But, you know, does she know it? You know, does my son know that I love him? You know, um, do I, do I, talk to my mom enough, you know, that kind of thing. So there is value in both, but it's, it's, there is a slight difference too sometimes in the framing that, uh, you know, cause one is a little more other focused and, and the other is a little more self-focused. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think I agree with what you're just saying. I, and I'm saying, I think, because I have to think <laughs> over it, but sometimes it takes a while to, to get to this. But anyway, I think that that's why we record mm -hmm. these conversations to, to also to, internalize and to you know, make it your own right looking at these leaders and stewardship mm -hmm. what is an important thing leaders could learn to improve the way that they could build stewardship let's say in an organization or in a company mm -hmm. so one of the things uh, and and like 14 things come to mind so i'll try not to to babble for for two hours but um, you know, one of the things that I think is really important is, you know, we teach a lot around what, what everyone calls the golden rule, right? You know, do unto others as you wish they would do unto you. And honestly, I hate that rule <laughs> because, and, and the reason I do is because think again, think about the frame there. The frame is I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. To me, it's more powerful to do what I call the platinum rule, which is I should treat you the way you want to be treated. The, the focus shouldn't be on what I want. It should be on what you need, you know, and what you want. And so, and, and this isn't about being, because a lot of times what get, I get pushback from leaders on, well, you know, if I just gave everybody what they want, then, you know, nobody would do anything. And it's like, well, that's actually not true. <laughs> you know, um, you know, it, it, sometimes it's about just how do you communicate? You know, as a leader, a lot of times we have a communication style. We have a a way of looking at the world. We have a way of talking about the world. I guarantee you that all of your employees don't communicate the same way that you do. Okay. It's, 
I, I don't even, that's not a guess. That's a fact, <laughs> you know, there, there's no, there's no guess there. And, and so that means that there's a certain segment of the people listening to you that aren't really hearing you the way you think you're communicating. And being aware of that and going in, and so I, I actually teach and I'm certified to teach DISC is part of what I do, which is, you know, again, there's a lot of models out there. I'm not going to say DISC is the perfect one because I don't think there's any perfect ones, but it's the thing I like about it is it's relatively simple and quick and easy and I can teach it pretty quickly and you can actually get where you're using it in eight hours, <laughs> you know, kind of thing and, and, and be applying it and making a change in what you do. So it shows up quick and, and I'm, I'm a fan of rapid implementation and, and then experimentation and, you know, do that. So that kind of thing, being aware of that and starting to implement that and, and doing it at all levels, doing it at the level of your team, doing it at the level of you know, the people that you report to, if you're a middle manager, doing it by thinking about your customers and your clients and the people that you serve, doing it by even stepping back and going, what is our role in the larger community? You know, to, to your point of stewardship about not just looking at this generation, but looking at, you know, my kids and my kids' kids and, and 20 years from now and all of that, it, it's giving you that ability to kind of ask that question in a lot of different frames and from a lot of different points of, of reference and then begin to implement that. And, and, you know, I talk about the difference between influence and manipulation where, you know, manipulation is... I'm going to get you to do what I want because it's what I want. And influence is, there is an I focus. You know, I, I still have a dog in the fight. I still have something I want to have happen, but I'm going to take your needs and your wants and your desires and how you operate into consideration. And I'm going to try to create a win-win where you get what you want and I get what I want, you know, and, and we both are happy <laughs> at the end of it. So it, it's not about being weak or, or changing things or, or just giving in or being lackadaisical. It's, in my opinion, it's a more powerful way of leading and stepping up and, and looking at how do I actually help and create a situation where everybody wins, you know, and whether it's whether I'm hiring someone, whether I'm firing someone, whether I'm, you know, giving someone a review or a directive, whatever it is, how do I create that situation in a way that, you know, we all walk away from it going, I, I got a win out of that. You know, I, 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 I feel successful out of that. And I can say, you know, again, I've been, been there, done that, and it's not easy. And <laughs> it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of conversation. But when you do it, then you end up with a team of people that, you know, if, if you say, let's charge hell, they're, they're like, let's get the water guns, let's go, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it on. They'll, they'll charge the hill with you because they believe in it and they believe in you and they believe in the, the, the organization. You know, a lot of times we give lip service to it. We'll say things like, you know, we're a family. And it's like, and the employees are looking around going, then we're a dysfunctional family, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, this is not the kind of family I want to live in. You know, sorry, thank you. Um, you know, I, I have a friend who, she's been off for two weeks because of some illness and nobody from her workplace has called her. And it's because HR tells them they can't. And I'm like, and yet one of their values is we treat our employees like family. And it's like, 
Well, no, you don't, <laughs> you know, don't, don't tell me you do if that's your rule, because, you know, and I get it. I understand why they probably, I, I, I probably know why they have the rule. Doesn't matter. It, it's not in alignment with what you're saying. You're not walking the walk that you're putting out in the world. And guess what? The employees see that and they know that. And, and, you know, they're not invested. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we, We'll talk about, especially the younger generation, we'll, you know, oh, these Gen Zs or, you know, used to it was millennials or whatever the younger generation is. Well, they just don't want to work the way they used to. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. <laughs> you know, it's, but a lot of times they are seeing the world different than you are. Doesn't mean they're wrong. Doesn't mean they're right either. Just means it's different. And let's examine that. Let's lean into that as opposed to go, well, they're just, you know, rah, 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 rah. they're all lazy. No, they're not, you know any more than your generation was all lazy and the generation before you would have said the same thing about you, you know? <laughs> I, I heard a great, great suggestion from somebody saying, oh yeah, and your generation is just nagging, right? They're just, just they're <laughs> complaining all the time. That's what I hear. I just hear complaints all the time. So you're just a complaining generation. And there's some truth anyway, to that. <laughs> yeah. And I agree, I agree. So what I think about this was really wonderful because you just before you talked about the idea of oh, I had to do that, right? So the HR right. says you can't do that. So and that was I had to follow the rules. Did you really have to follow the rules in this situation? Yeah. If you think family is your, you know, one of your core values, that's not how we should act, right? So I think it was a great example of how you could do this differently. Right. And the other thing was what I'm thinking was exactly that by just asking questions and listening to the people we create better humans. So um, Absolutely. referring back to the idea of why we've changed to better humans, I think the whole idea is of, uh, of stewardship is that we create not just you know a better planet or a better world, but also better humans. Because if we do that, next generations will also take care of the next generation, right? right. So the whole, the whole idea of asking questions, listening, um, looking at the ways that how they see this, how they look at this situation and how they see the future, it's not easy. It's not, it takes time. Yes. But it, it will just make everything so much better, right? If you say uh, the end result will be positively influencing your company, you can think of revenue. It's not a goal, right? The, the surplus in your revenue is not a goal, but it probably will happen. You shouldn't do that because that's what you want to accomplish. You should do, you should create better humans and then everything will follow, right? The, right. the, the right things will happen to you and your your family or your 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 gang or your people, right? So I think that's that's how I love what you were just saying there. Right. Well, and a lot of times, you know, using what you just said as a, an example, you know, when we look at things like goals, we tend to look at the result that we want as opposed to the inputs that get us there. And so like we're if we're focused on more revenue, or if we're focused on more clients or we're focused on whatever, those are all results. A lot of times it's worth taking that step back and going, yeah, but what are the underlying drivers that get us that result? And that's actually what I should pay attention to, <laughs> you know? And so if it's having engaged and active employees, which by the way, is part of the answer usually um, to both of those, um, then what do I do? You know, what activities do we need to do to create engaged and active employees. And I'll give you a hint. It's not having a pizza party every Friday. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with a pizza party, but that's not what's going to do it. You know, it's really about taking that step back, like you said, and listening and asking good questions and taking, taking the time to really understand 
you know, it, it's really the same frame. You know, earlier we were talking about finding your why. It's about helping find their why and understanding it so that then you can create that situation where we're all winning, um, you know, in, in the in the in the long run. Right. Even even think about this, right? Even finding ways how they could win and create a better life for themselves. Mm -hmm. Even if they leave your company, because uh, when you ask this um, or airport question and they found out, oh, this is really not what I want to do, and they create a better life and left your company, that's a win too, right? It right. may not feel that way in the beginning um, because you know you train someone and you you uh, you you right. need people and they quit, um, but you know they are going to create a better life and they probably be, you know rooting for you and and trying to help you find new people to join your company because right. they like what you've done with them and how they've grown in that time. So I think it's just it's uh, for me it's the only way that you can do right. this. But anyway, <laughs> it still opens up a seat too that that for somebody who does want be there, you know, and is aligned and, and engaged because, because I guarantee you, if that person, you know, sooner or later, they were going to discover this, right? If they didn't already know it, there was that nagging feeling or something going on. They weren't performing to the top of their abilities. They, they just, they weren't. Um, and, and eventually that catches up. Uh, and so instead it's, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is let someone go. It's not easy. Uh, but sometimes that is absolutely the right decision. Now, I think sometimes we make that decision way too quickly. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in hire slow, fire slow. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to do it quick uh, because I want to make sure that, you know, is it as simple as they don't understand or they don't have a skill that they need and we can train it up? Or is it, you know, maybe they're not in the right position, but we have a position that they would be right for. Okay, well, then let's get them over there instead of over here, you know, um, and that may not happen instantaneously. Is that they have a weakness in a particular area, and yet oftentimes there's somebody else on the team that has a strength that complements their weakness. Great. How can we have them work together, <laughs> you know, um, because I think a lot of times we, we look at it as, well, no, you have to do the whole thing. Well, why you know it, it, we, we don't stop and think well, just because that's how we've always done it doesn't necessarily mean that's how we have to always do it uh, and and having that chance to to stop you know a lot of what i talk about with leaders with small business owners with personal folks is you know to me stewardship is also about intentionality it's about living a life intentionally as opposed to a life unexamined where where you make the decisions and you you are proactive, you are intentional as opposed to reactive about your life. And, and when you can live that way, good stuff happens to you, you deal with it. Bad stuff happens to you, you deal with it. You know, you're, you're, you may not be happy about it, but it's like, but I can deal with it. <laughs> you know, I can get through it. Instead of life happening to you, you begin to happen to life. And that's a better way to live and creates better companies and creates better humans, as you said. 100% agree. So um, at the bottom here, you can see this is your website, inspiredstewardship.com. I also want to quickly go to, not quickly, I want to go to your profile and coach me. Coach me. Do this, go to the page here so I can scroll. Because here you can see the packages and you quite have a number of packages on here. You can see what you do, set priorities for a day, but also you go to manage finances and help them to work on those. So 
from my, from myself to understand why, why didn't you have one package or two packages? But why do you have so many packages? I'm just trying to learn. Sure. So again, it's sort of over time. I found that a lot of times people perceive the the struggle as one of around time or money. I actually usually don't think that's actually the struggle, but that's what the symptom is. That's what it, that's how it shows up in our life. And so there's a couple of different ways that folks find me on coach.me for time and money. And that's what shows up the, a couple of the bigger packages, uh, you know, some of them are just habit code, not just, but some of them are designed to be habit coaching where they're more focused on kind of getting started or maintaining, you know, maybe you've already got a working system, but you just need some accountability or maybe you're at the place where you want those small steps to get started. And then the bigger packages are more for folks that want to go into a deeper dive, um, you know, have a little bit more one-on-one -on -one time or, or call time. Uh, you know, I do a lot of Zoom meetings. Uh, I, I work with folks in about 15 countries. So we do a lot of, you know, I'm on a Zoom call and it's like, good morning when it's afternoon here because you know we're 13 hours different and those sorts of things, just like you do. And so those are kind of the more in-depth, more phone time. Both work, um, both have benefits, but again, it's kind of where are you at in terms of an entry point? And I'm trying to have an entry point for the folks that aren't ready for the, the whole big package. Maybe they can't afford it right now. Maybe they just want to test the water. And that's some of the things like the the $25 um, a week packages. And then on the other side is kind of the, the bigger packages that are, are the more uh, with Zoom calls and phone calls and that kind of thing. Um, and I, again, I have folks do both. Um, I don't think there's w one right way for every person. Uh, it's just different things available for different folks. Right. I agree. So what I'm going to do now is just for people to make it easier, even when you watch the video, um, I'm going to show the QR code. So when you scan the code with your phone, you directly go to your um, coach.me profile on coach.me. So it's easier to look at these packages and see if you want one of these packages, if you want to start um, do a trial with you. And yep. I think it's really easy to start this way to look into how you, how you could use, well, either like something on how I can spend my time better or how I can learn my why, but also how I can arrange my finances better. So right. um, that's your main topics. There was one other thing that I found was interesting and I I, I liked it. So I'm bringing it up. So at your podcast uh, artwork, mm -hmm. it says invest, influence, impact. Mm -hmm. What does it mean that Trio for you? So I have a, that's kind of one of the frames that, that I use a lot with folks. So the invest is first, I think before we do anything, we have to invest in ourselves. We, we, we have to fill our own cup. We have to make sure, you know, again, that's getting back to the why part. You know, that's finding out what drives us. The second step to me is investing in others. So this is, okay, now I've done that for me. How can I help other people? How can I help them succeed? How can I create a win for them? And if you do those things, then you begin to develop influence. And we all influence people, whether we know it or not. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't influence anybody. Yeah, you do. I, I guarantee you somebody is watching you um, and you're influencing them, even though you may not believe it. And then through that influence, we make an impact. And so when I talk about impacting the world or impact, realize that isn't a scale thing. In other words, this isn't about 
you've created a life-changing moment and you know had a million people i i don't care if it's one person you know i i don't care if it's your family i don't care if it's uh, your church or or your your bit workplace or for one of your employees not even the whole team but just one when you have a chance to impact and make a difference for somebody else it, by kind of going through that those steps you begin to find those opportunities to do that and it naturally happens so i i believe if we invest in ourselves invest in others we will develop an influence and we will have an impact on the world love it love it i really love it i think we're so close on our the way that we think about this just see there's a chat here uh hey ho great conversation says somebody linkedin user i have no idea who that is obviously is, there's no name there i don't know why because normally there's a name there anyway um just to close this off nicely this conversation and also i i think between lines i just could have heard it you also have a podcast like two shows a week one mm -hmm. way to talk about you know faith and um, we right. talk about something that you know uh, you could follow today or you could follow this week and one conversation one interview with somebody else so um, that's also interesting to follow you're on all the regular uh, pod in podcast channels where you can download you um, look for it uh, we'll obviously also put the link in the show notes so to go there uh, this video and audio version of this conversation will be published on monday on blog.coachme and also every friday so next friday we're here again same time so 9 a.m central time and 4 p.m central european time so i'm looking forward to see you again next week thank you scott martyr and taking us through this journey and looking at how stewardship um, can be used by leaders thank you absolutely absolutely thanks for having me